and welcome to Tremendous Tales with Liz Pichon. That's me, back by popular demand. Well, that's the rumour I'm going to start. (laughs) I write and draw all the Tom Gates books, and in this podcast, I chat to my brilliant guests about some very important things, like snacks. Yes! I'm looking forward to today's treat already. My guest will tell us a tremendous tale and also share with us a tremendous fail, because we all make mistakes. You can join in and play our spectacular, no expense spared game, What's That Sound? There'll be some tremendous book recommendations and also a few tremendous tips on drawing. My guest today is the super talented illustrator and author, Emily Gravitt, who can add, I can add, also makes exquisitely beautifully decorated pottery too, which I'm obsessed by. I'm going to need a big breath to tell you about her numerous awards. So here goes. Emily won her first award by studying illustration at Brighton School of Art. As a second year student, she entered one of her projects for the Macmillan Prize for Children's Illustration and was highly commended. The following year, she won the prize by entering two books that the judges ranked in first and second place. The winning title, Wolves, was published by Macmillan's Children's Books and went on to win the Kate Greenaway Medal the Boston Globe Horn Book Honor Award for illustration, and was also a runner-up for the Smarties Prize. I was a judge of the Smarties Prize, and Wolves is in my pile of books, and I thought it was amazing then, and I still do. It's one of my all-time favourite picture books. Three years later, Little Mouse's Big Book of Fears won her the Kate Greenaway Medal for the second time. Emily has now published more than 20 picture books in more than 20 languages. She's been a Quills Award finalist, a Publisher Weekly Best Book of the Year. Cyril and Pat, I love those names, by the way, (laughs) also won the first ever Book Trust Storytime Prize in 2019. And Emily is one of the small, world-class team of illustration talent chosen to illustrate none other than J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter and Hogwarts Library Books, Quidditch Through the Ages, which I've got a copy of here. Emily has also become renowned for her creative and interactive approach to bookmaking. She wanted Little Mouse's Big Book of Fears to look genuinely chewed, so she painted yoghurt on a plain white paper and laid it in the cage of her two pet rats. Emily has also collaborated with some of the most creative writers working today, and her book with A.F. Harold, The Imaginary, won the UKLA Book Award 2016, with the judges commenting that their 7-11 to winner reflects once again the importance of illustration to this age group. I'm a huge fan of Emily's work and also the snacks she's chosen too. So Emily, thank you so much for coming to chat. And now I've reminded you of all your many awards. How does that make you feel? <laughs> embarrassed. <laughs> embarrassed? Why are you embarrassed? Oh my goodness. Exciting. No, that's amazing. What I love about your books is the way that you blur the edges and you really tear paper and add in library cards and there's always loads of extra detail and things. Like that. So how did your style sort of evolve? I think really I started doing that for my own entertainment because it involves the computer. I'm not very good at the computer, so it's good practice for a start. When I was a kid, um, I was the the era when the film Grease came out and we we got bought, my my sister got bought actually. She got bought the album that was like a double fold thing. So you could fold it and Harvey had like two records in it. And it, it was sort of realistic in the way that it had a real life size comb on the cover that looked like you could pick it up. And I remember. I that, that, do you remember that? I thought it yeah, was yeah, really no. cool. And I really always wanted to do something like that, that you looked like you could lift off the page and was a, a real thing. So I think that's why I started doing that. What kind of books did you used to read then? What, what kind of, were you a comic reader? Did you um, like drawing when you were younger as well? Oh, God, yeah. I loved drawing. And I, had, I did have quite a few picture books because my, um, 
my dad was a technician at Brighton Polytechnic and the teachers at the time that he was working there were John Vernon Lord and Raymond Briggs. So he used to bring home their books for me. So I sort of was around picture books quite a bit, I think. I I was bought them, which was nice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's that memory, isn't it? I've still got picture books from when I was really little as well. And I think the ones that you really love, you still keep and you really cherish. Honestly, I remember I mentioned in in the introduction that I was a judge on the Smarties Award. And, you know, you get sent all these amazing books. And I remember coming across your book of wolves and just going, oh, this is amazing. This is the kind of book that I wish that I would have done. (laughs) Oh, that's really nice of you. Thank you. Oh, no, honestly. And I loved, you know, exactly like you said, you know, that extra detail that you added in, like it had a real library card and you had little letters. And I think children really love that, you know, in picture books where you can read something, look at something and you actually have something to pick up and look at as well. It's not just children. (laughs) I like it. (laughs) I think no, I love absolutely right. Yeah. No, I mean we don't really write. We we're not doing it necessarily just for children. No, no, not at all. Ourselves. I'm not doing it for children at all. And I don't. I think I'm always doing it for me. I think I always have. And <laughs> <laughs> know we've our secrets are out. Oh no! <laughs> Sorry, children. <laughs> well, like, like I mentioned at the beginning as well. Um, we we I like to talk to people about what their favourite snack is. So, what snack keeps you going through the deadline, Emily? In snack chat. Snack chat. <laughs> oh, I like that. Um, well, at the moment, it changes throughout the year. But at the moment, I have a lot of plum jam because this was a good year for plums, and I was stuck <laughs> at home with COVID. So. I made a lot of jam. I mean, a lot of jam. So I have a lot of plum and damson jam and gin. Fabulous. And but the gin doesn't keep me going through the day. That's not the thing that's <laughs> going to get me through the deadline. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to appear in our sort of tremendous tips, is it? No, 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 no. <laughs> not that one. But the jam and the toast. I make bread as well. So I have nice sourdough toast and jam. So with the with the plum jam then, what kind of plum that I was going to say? What kind of plums do you have then, Emily? My plums are very small, actually, Liz. (laughs) Okay. I have, I think they're, I don't know what the variety is because I didn't plant them. They were already here. So I have like, it's a cross between a damson and a plum. They're tiny. They're like an inch and a half, two inches. Like sort of yellow plums, you know, purple plums. Deep, deep, deep purple. Very, very pleasing to pick because they sort of glow on the tree in a purpley blush doesn't doesn't it take ages to stone them then i always remember my mum making jam it's just like you know having to the thermometer sugar all the stirring it's a faff yeah it's a real faff but there's there's apparently i I found this out when i was researching it there's two different kinds of plums there's the ones that come off the stone easily and there's the ones that don't and i have the ones that come off the stone fairly easily you can do them with an olive pitter it's plum jam on toast that keeps you going any particular toast yeah, my sourdough toast. Making my own bread. Oh. See, I'm living the good life here. Making my own bread, sourdough, nicely toasted. I'm just, I'm looking at Mark's face there. He's like, because yeah, I, I don't do any of that. <laughs> you probably haven't got time. You're busier than me. Whereas, well, it's I, the kind of, well, it's funny because my mum used to do, she used to make, I said she used to make loads of jam because my dad had an allotment and she was always making, he was always bringing back gooseberries. So I much prefer plum jam. It's so. a funny colour, gooseberry jam, isn't it? It's, it's not, no, it's not nice really, as. <laughs> Yeah, and you have to add it to so much sugar. You have to because the gooseberries are usually quite sour as well. So we like that snack. So it's plum jam, yeah, made by you, Emily, on homemade sourdough toast, which sounds gosh, I sound very, very middle class. Oh, yeah. 
So thanks for thanks for your tip. So the next section of this podcast is where I ask you to tell us, Emily, if you've got a tremendous tale that you would like to share with us. So over to Mark first. Tremendous tales. Okay, I think what I'm going to talk to you about is when I was very small. So when I was a prob- I was in nursery school. So I was about three or yeah, I was about three and I liked drawing a lot. So it's a drawing related story. I went to nursery school and my mum had um, a clock on her kitchen wall and um, the clock doesn't work. Still there, still on her kitchen wall. It doesn't work, hasn't worked <laughs> since I was tiny, probably probably about three. I don't know. Anyway, when, when she was pregnant, it fell off the wall and it hit her on the head. So I was all right. She was all right and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, so it was, it was in my... Actually, no, I do remember it working because I remember being at home when I wasn't at school and it got, and it used to say, you're pretending, you're pretending, you're pretending. used to like tick <laughs> in a kind of like, you know, you really could go to school. You're just faking it kind of way. <laughs> but anyway, that's not what the story is about either. So we're at nursery school. I, I like d- that though. That should be, that should be part of the story. It should be maybe. Yeah. I drew it anyway at nursery school and my mum stuck it on the wall, this drawing in the basement. Same room as the clock. And when she put the drawing up, the drawing started to tick. <laughs> so it was it was really spooky. <laughs> it was really scary. <laughs> everybody that sounds absolutely me. terrifying. Well, it was because the neighbours came round because she invited everybody around because it freaked her out. So all these neighbours came round and listened to this drawing and then she got really freaked out and she, she took it off the wall and threw it, threw it out and the ticking did stop. It's quite a kind of like famous in my family story. Um, wow. But I, I thought it was so, amazing. I thought it was amazing. <laughs> so you, you did a drawing of the clock. Yeah. And then the, the drawing started making ticking noises. Yeah. I mean, I don't know whether it was an insect in the wall or a, there's no pipes in that wall. I know which wall it was. And I tried to recreate it for years and I never did it. So I don't know. So I just thought I had yeah. kind of, because I, you know, I, I really was into witches when I was a kid. So after that, I thought that maybe I did have some special powers and maybe (laughs) that does sound like it could it really gets your imagination going doesn't it but like you said it's it probably is something like um just a pipe in the wall that had a bit of stuck in it probably probably probably, but it's nicer to believe that it it was something i had some magical power at that age which disappeared i think think that's what we're going for (laughs) yeah let's go for the magical powers have you drawn? So you, have you drawn this clock in any of your books? Then can we see it in any of your books? No, you no, I have never drawn it in a book. Actually, I should do, shouldn't I? Oh, yeah, it's quite a plain yeah. clock. It's like one of those, you know, those kind of wooden school type, old-fashioned school clocks with Roman numerals. Yeah, it's not anything great to look at particularly. It doesn't have a glass. On, well, it doesn't have glass on the front anymore. I don't know whether that went when it fell on her head. <laughs> I should ask her actually. <laughs> In the beginning of the story, it did sound like an episode of Casualty, didn't it? Like, no, no, apparently she. Well, she used to have. My mother had quite a big beehive hairdo. She had hair that she could sit on, and I think probably that that saved her from the worst saved of the damage. <laughs> oh, that's excellent. Well, we like we did enjoy we enjoyed that tremendous tale, and now we'll be looking out in Emily's books now to see whether you add the clock in anywhere. <laughs> I know sometimes like um, David Roberts quite often draws fabric and things of people that he's seen like you'll see it appearing somewhere in one of his books so that is emily's tremendous tale now we come to the section of the podcast where mark is going to play to us this extraordinary noise and we can join in you can join in at home with our no expense spared game that we're calling 
What's That Sound? What's that sound? Right, Emily, are you ready for this? Yeah, worried. Yep. It has no relevance to anything we've been talking about whatsoever, which makes it even harder. So here we go. Well, it's an animal, but I don't know. It's a cow. No? <laughs> it's the extra bit at the end. <laughs> Do you think it's a cow? I don't know. Let's have another listen. If it, it I, if it's a cow, it, it sounds like a that. Oh, <laughs> oh dear! <laughs> I don't know. Or oh, is it a deer? Oh, a, oh, look! Look at the Mark's face. So, what is it? What's the answer? It's a red deer. Oh yes! <laughs> <laughs> well done. I had absolutely no idea. I was imagining if it was a cow. <laughs> Brilliant. Well done. I mean, honestly, it, it started off sounding a bit like a lion, but it's not quite as deep. As no, it was the end bit that got me, actually. I was the end bit. I thought, now that's a deer. So do you, you obviously know what a deer sounds like then? Cause... Yeah, don't know how. <laughs> <laughs> well done. <laughs> we're, we're trying to make them as difficult as possible. So that is um, the sound of a red deer and n- not even any particular kind of deer is it do you know it's red it's red deer it's a red deer that's all we need to know then okay not blue (laughs) well that definitely wasn't a tremendous fail because you got that was a well done emily i hope you um had a listen and uh were as successful as emily was for that what's that sound so this is the part now where we like to talk about something that hasn't gone quite to plan because sometimes you actually learn more from when things go wrong than when they actually go right so we call this part tremendous fail tremendous fail okay so this is quite a difficult one because I think I fail at something every day. Um, So I was trying to think of a a fail that was tremendous in the way that actually it turned into a good thing at the end. And so I was thinking of a book that I wrote and Mm. I'm not very good at planning out books. So quite often Mm. I just start doing the finished things and I just keep going till I get to the end and hope it resolves itself. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. (laughs) Anyway, so this this particular book... (laughs) I worked my way through the book and I got to near the end and I realised I didn't know how to end it. And I was making little dummy books. I don't know if you probably don't because you're doing longer books now. But when you when I you did picture, picture books, books yeah. yeah. So I did that. And what I would do is I would write the text on the computer and I would print it out and then I would cut it into little slices. And so I could pace out where the words were going. Except I hadn't finished the book because I couldn't think of the ending, but I still had the words in. And there was one word I couldn't fit on the page. So I ripped it off and stuck it on the next page and it gave me the ending. So it was a fail because I didn't know how to do the ending. But then, so I was writing, it was a book called Wolves. It was my first book. And so I was writing um, Wolves Eat Small Mammals, like voles, rabbits. I did actually write birds. So obviously I had a bit of a problem with knowing what a small mammal was at that point. (laughs) And and it was supposed to say rabbits on that page. And then I was going to think up a really good way for the rabbit to escape in this book. But I couldn't think of anything. And the word wouldn't fit on the page. So I stuck the word rabbits on the next page. And when I turned over and just saw the little ripped up piece of paper that said rabbits, I thought the wolf ate the rabbit. And it gave me the ending. So it was a fail, but it was a massive win. That's genius. 
And actually, that's so important, isn't it? Because sometimes when you don't know how to, you know, like just by experimenting and keeping going like that, you sometimes get your best ideas when you're least expecting it. Yes, Oh, you totally do. I think you always get your best ideas when you're least expecting it or when you're trying to do something else. But it's very hard to engineer that state, I think. So you can try, but it doesn't It doesn't work, really. And if you don't try, sometimes it doesn't work either. So it's it's a happy yeah, accident, you, isn't it, really, when something yeah, like that happens? It is, that, does, that, that quite often happens to me. Like if I'm supposed to be working on something, you get an idea for something else mm. and you can't shift it out of your head and you almost have to get it out of your system first, even if it's in a rough way, before you can carry on with what you're supposed to be well that's because you have lots of good ideas you see that doesn't happen to me I try and work on something and then I make homemade bread and jam (laughs) (laughs) and pottery (laughs) well let's talk about your pottery okay I mean I love that I mean I agree let's talk about your pottery because we're looking Emily's got on the back of her while I describe it she's got these beautiful plates this is my fairy tale wall yeah so all all of my um all of my plates on that wall are all fairy tales. They're just exquisite. And so you just paint those with, um, you don't, do you make the actual plates? Yes, I make the plates. You do make the plates? Yes. Wow. I go to um, an open studio. So um, you pay by the hour and you can just use all their facilities and their clay. And they're really knowledgeable. So if you get stuck and you don't know how to do something, they help you out. But I've been learning how to throw, which I'm not very good at, but I enjoy it anyway. And making, yeah. So I make them and then they're decorated with, Generally, these ones slip or underglaze. They're absolutely beautiful and they've got lots of different fairy tales. Are these some of the, they're just fairy tales and not things from your stories or are you working on those as well? Um, no, they're not from my stories at all. I mean, I do I do occasional plates with a character of mine on, but um, just for this particular one, these are just for like mine at home. I've got the three billy goats gruff. Um, and if you can, I've got the, you can't see any of you on radio, aren't you? Yeah. The three Billy Goats graph and I've got Rapunzel and Little Red Riding Hood and um, I've just been working on, what, what, just three bears, Goldilocks I've been doing. So I've got quite a few different different ones. I'm going to do um, Tom Thumb next, tiny, wow. tiny little one. They're absolutely beautiful. And I've seen some of the other ones that you've been doing where you've been the, using different techniques like the swirls and... Yeah, they're fun. They're fun. Yeah. It's, it's, it's playing again. I think it's a bit similar to doing, doing the books in a way that you, you play, but there's less high stakes because it's for my own entertainment, I think, yeah. rather, <laughs> rather than publication and, 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 and paying bills. <laughs> Do you ever get sort of ideas that, for, would you ever get an idea for a book that would include maybe some of the pottery or plates or something like that you know like I haven't done I mean I did put a plate in Quidditch through the ages because there was right. there was a got here yeah it's uh, probably yeah um near the end there's there's a sort of teams of the world section and um I made a very bad Japanese plate <laughs> very very lumpy but luckily Photoshop sorted out some of the worst lumps <laughs> It's really interesting though, isn't it? Because even though you do painting and, you know, you do illustration work, it combines so many different things. It's collage, it's text, it's, you know, and just because you're doing one kind of creativity, like doing the plates, you know, it's, you do all different types of things as well. So it's not just one form of creativity because, you know, like I, I like doing the stories and drawing on things as well, like drawing on shoes, like making things to wear. And Were you always interested in that before? Um, I always made things as a kid. Yeah, I mean, like me you. I mean, I'm not as good at doing. I've never sort of thrown. I thought I'd be able to 
throw a plate. Oh, no, it's a really difficult. I, I'm it's not, really I don't have a natural ability for it at all, but it, it makes me want to try even harder because it's so hard. And I, I have weeks where I can't throw anything at all. And a lot of my stuff is very heavy and lumpy. But it, it's the challenge is, is the exciting thing, I think, of doing something that you can't do. Frustrating. But. Well, I'm looking in the background and looking at your plates and thinking, you can. <laughs> I can. I'm, I'm also getting better at plates. But I think it's because they're low down. When I try and bring anything up at all, like a vase, yeah. I mess it up. But I think I've always liked doing 3D things. I did some welding this summer. I haven't welded anything for years. And that wow. was really good fun. And I just thought, oh. And I, didn't, I remember when I was at school, I wanted to, um, I did metal work, which was very like at that point in the 80s, they always tried to discourage girls from doing metal work for some reason. Yeah. They always wanted you to do sewing instead. And I did metal work and I loved it. And I always thought, oh, I want to be, I want to be a kind of um, blacksmith or something. And of course, it, it didn't happen. But I love all that kind of 3D making things. In my school, you got the opportunity. I think in the first three years, you could do, we'd swap around. So they did have metalwork and woodwork. And um, and then when it came to sort of choosing your exams, I really wanted to do woodwork. And this is really bad for me, actually. But I would have been the only girl doing it. Yeah. And I just didn't. I was like, oh, do I really? So I ended up doing sewing. <laughs> oh, no. It's, yeah, this is, this is exactly, I mean, because they took me aside and, and tried to talk but... me out of metalwork. They said, you know, like, you'll yeah. be, you'll be, there's only one other girl that's doing it. And I don't know why she was doing it, because she was terrified of drills and <laughs> facing her fears. <laughs> she, she was absolutely petrified of tools. So I, don't, I had no idea, but I didn't care that I was the only girl. I, just, I enjoyed it. That was better yeah. than the boys at it. I've got a couple of things that I made in metalwork, but none of them were any good. No, mine weren't really but, good. Yeah. I like, but I that's not the same the time, now. But, <laughs> but they weren't, really. Well, I'm very glad. Like we always say, like, anybody should be able to do anything that they want to. So glad, glad things have changed, exactly. Yes, thank goodness. We've gone from your tremendous fail. You know, I know that we've got very creative listeners, a, a very talented bunch of people that listen to the podcast. So can you give us any tremendous tips on drawing? or anything that you'd like to, to share with? I think for drawing, I think when I was a child, um, both my parents were really arty, so they, they were very encouraging. But I think I did a lot of observational drawing. And I think, though most of my drawing now is from my imagination, I think because I did such a lot of observational drawing of random things, you know, shoes and chairs and not horses. I didn't really have many horses around me to observe. This is difficult. I actually quite like drawing horses. Really? Yeah. <laughs> too there's something about them they're just quite pleasing um I think yeah I think yeah if you do lots of observational drawing then I think you probably it, it is good for your drawing skills but I don't like carry a sketchbook, a sketchbook around or anything I mean keeping a sketchbook is really good and I have my sketchbooks for working in but I don't carry one around with me anymore I think no. I did at some point but to be honest I'm normally too busy do you take photos of things as take lots of pictures yeah I do actually yeah I do take quite a lot of photos and then you can store them up or or forget about them <laughs> that's exactly what I do with my photos <laughs> we all yeah. or I can't find them you know like I'm not very okay so I'll take a picture of something and I think oh that'll be good and then yeah you're just scrolling through your phone for hours yeah. trying to find the picture. I know. It's, it's terrible, isn't it? Just got millions of reason. random kind of like, that grey sky looked really dramatic, but actually now it just looks like a grey day I've taken a picture <laughs> of. <laughs> I think that's a really good tip, though. Keeping a sketchbook 
um, or just doing drawings of real things. Yeah, and not judging them. So yes. do them and don't expect them to be perfect because you never get to that point where the, where the thing's perfect. Just do them and think, right, I've done it. And then move on, do another one. That is an excellent tip. And one I'm going to learn from as well, I think. We all, we all could learn from that one, couldn't we? <laughs> it's overworking. Overworking. Um, <laughs> thank you very much for that, Emily. So also, do you have a tremendous book that you would like to tell us about as well? Do we have a book item? Well, I think I'm going to go for my favourite when I was a kid, which is my favourite picture book, which was A Giant Jam Sandwich, John, John Lord. And oh, yeah. this book is pretty amazing. I think he does these very intricate illustrations that have loads and loads of detail in them and they have running stories. So stories that aren't the main story, but you can follow going through. And and it's just very funny. It's just about a village that gets attacked by wasps, which <laughs> I'm quite scared of wasps. So um, I don't know why I find it so appealing, but I really, really do. And and it's all in rhyme. So it's nice to read out loud. And um, I have my 1973 copy or whatever it is. Perfect. And that ties in very nicely with your tremendous snack as well. Oh, yes, it does. <laughs> of course it does. Yes. There you go. <laughs> How neat. <laughs> so we'll be putting all of Emily's choices up on the podcast with a link to Emily's website and all the books and everything that she's been speaking about. So now is the chance. We've heard from a, a wonderful book. Um, this is your chance, Emily, to give a shameless plug because in lots of podcasts or when you talk to people it's always very difficult to sort of shoehorn in literally <laughs> your latest book you know you're having to sort of you know fit around or you're not allowed to talk about it but on this podcast we absolutely we give it over to you and you can do a shameless plug for absolutely anything that you want to your latest book what you're doing your project anything that you want to talk about this is your chance for the shameless plug Shameless plug. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, I am going to shamelessly plug the, my latest book out, which is called 10 Cats. And it is a concept book about counting and colours. And I think you can guess that it has 10 cats and colours. And um, it was very fun to do because I just wanted to do something that was lighthearted and fun to draw and fun to read. And I hope that that's what I achieved with it. So buy it, basically. Buy my book <laughs> or borrow it, but buy it, borrow it, buy it, borrow it. Please. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Have you got cats then? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> of course not. But the next book out after that is going to be called 10 Dogs. And I do have a dog. <laughs> Right. Okay, excellent. So we're going to put that up then. So that's your shameless plug, which I don't think is shameless at all. So to be honest, any of Emily's books are absolutely fabulous. Like I said, I was sort of fangirling and going, oh, I love this book. <laughs> I, I love all the attention to detail. And also you always add in like extra sort of funny, you know, you make your books funny and really charming and your book tidy as well. That was beautiful oh, thank you so emily thank you so much we loved hearing all about your snacks we loved your tremendous tales your tremendous fails we loved hearing about your fabulous books and you can hear more of our podcast with all our fabulous guests by going onto my website which is lizpichon.com and like i said all the information and where you can contact and learn more about emily and her books and we're hopefully we're going to be showing some of her beautiful pottery as well so good luck with everything emily i look forward to seeing a fabulous vase like we're, we're not <laughs> it will only be two inches high. 
an enormous one. And Ellie's getting really good on the, on the pots, so getting larger and larger. Emily, it's been absolutely fantastic. I know that everyone is going to really love hearing about all your your stories and your tales and your books. So thank you so much for joining us. Let's give a round of applause for Emily. Hey! If you've enjoyed this podcast, please do like and subscribe. And I've been told that it really helps other people to find it. And I would love as many children as possible to hear from these amazing creative people that I've talked to and to get inspired to pick up a pen, a pencil, get creative, make up their own stories, just like we've done. So thanks very much for listening. Bye.